Welcome back to the Bitcoin layer. I am Nick Batia, and today we continue our discussion about Bitcoin adoption in Africa. We have with us a special guest from Kenya, Nolene. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Bitcoin layer. Thank you for having me, Nick. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Okay, excellent. So Nolene and I met over Twitter because she's involved in a translation of layered money. We will come back to that in a little bit. But first, I want to start, Nolene, with your story. You're uh, visiting us today from coastal Kenya. Um, yeah. So please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found Bitcoin and your Bitcoin journey. Okay. Uh, thank you for having me, Nick. Um, uh, so uh, my name is Nolene, as I uh, mentioned, Nolene Sumba. And uh, when it comes to my Bitcoin journey, I have a background in uh, financial engineering and uh why I ended up studying financial engineering is because of uh, curiosity. It's more of like a personal story. Um, during the 2007-2008 crisis in Kenya, um, I, was ha I happened to get affected by it and I gained the curiosity to learn about money, what is money, what makes up money. And uh, with this, I decided what better way to learn this than uh, go to school and study about money. So with a background in financial engineering and a bit of accounting, I got into the deep dive on money. And with that, I got to learn about, I uh, landed on actually the debt, the debt bubble, the bubbles and uh, how they come about. I ended up studying about how money came, uh, came about, how fiat came about. And uh, just like any uh, logical person, you can be able to notice the cracks in the system. And uh, with these cracks, I, Fast forward, I was always looking for a way in which I can be able to invest my uh, my earnings in a very long time, uh, where I can be able to maintain earnings in a long time. And looking for investments, I landed in Bitcoin in 2015. And uh, at that time, I was still a student. I ended up doing the tap to pays for Bitcoin. That was very much around in Africa. And uh, I used to bank with the... No, before Zappo become a, became a bank, uh, they used to facilitate that. I think there was a, they were a wallet company by then. And uh, with that, learned a bit about Bitcoin, didn't did dive into it, um, stopped getting concerned once uh, all the shenanigans around it continued. And then fast forward 2019, I met someone, a traveler who had come to Kenya. Uh, as I mentioned, I live in the coast, lots of tourists. And... Uh, he was traveling around on Bitcoin uh, and I was, con I was curious actually, <laughs> how do you manage to travel? How are you not earning? And it was of course during the bull market. And yeah, I, I was taught by someone who was uh, willing to teach me about Bitcoin and deep dive. Right now I'm deep into the rabbit hole. <laughs> Never felt better. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and it's a, it's a very common story to stumble upon the fiat dynamics, specifically that money is created by banks when they lend it into the system. That fundamental understanding of money and debt, which you would have uh, come across during your course in financial engineering, exactly how money is created by banks and understanding the accounting side of it, it does lead you to see that there are cracks within a system in which banks can just create money and uh, broadly there are regulations but 
in reality, those cracks can lead to crisis very easily. So you mentioned Zappa, which is a blast from the past. That is a company that, uh, you know, was one of the early Bitcoin companies. So talk about the the Zappo presence in Africa early in your Bitcoin journey. What was what was that like? Were they were they on the ground in in different countries, or was this just somebody that happened to use Zappo as a service and was in Africa? Oh, okay. So uh, back then, I think Zappo was um, was just offering the service in Kenya. Not majority of the service. I remember I wasn't able to withdraw uh, during the early days. In fact, I was never able to withdraw and they left with a few of my thoughts. Um, but what happened with Zappo, it was, I, we were doing that tap to pay. Remember, you, you tap and then you receive some thoughts, a few thoughts uh, back then. And I, uh, I, had a, I had a friend who was carrying out mining by then and uh, I got to have a bit of Bitcoin through that. And uh, yes, I can't really say that the industry was quite big back then. It, it really wasn't, yes. Okay, so now talk to us about the projects that you are involved with. You're involved in two projects specifically. Um, can you talk about those? Uh, start with the Exonomia project, please. Okay, so as I've mentioned, I am not the norm in Africa. Most of the education that is offered in Africa, once again, I'm, I'm a subscriber of the Austrian Economic School of Thought. And uh, what we have, we learn about Keynesian for actually its obvious reasons. Um, we are taught that the government is in charge of distribution of currency in the system. And that's what we get to learn. So it's up to you to go and seek the relevant financial education for the relevant time. And uh, this has been a challenge in terms of investment. So you find that people are investing in, for example, right now real estate in Kenya is really plummeting. And uh, you were taught that real estate is never go up, real estate will never go down. And so we have people investing in real estate right now and they never imagine that, uh, that the market will ever have a bear market, basically, they can put it that way. And so in terms of financial education, there is a big challenge. And uh, we have English-speaking countries in Africa are even at a better position because we have access to most of the information that is in English. But if we look at French-speaking countries and current countries that, like Tanzania that speak Swahili, the education system caters to that language. So if you want to get access to education in other languages, you'll have to, you'll require a translator to facilitate this. And that's why I was really passionate about my um, exonemia, they say, because exonemia carries out a translation of Bitcoin content into native African languages. And that is a game changer. For example, um, like Swahili, what it translated in layered money, 16 million people speak Swahili in Africa and uh, as a first language, and 82 million as a second language. This is 14 countries. We could have been shutting down, 14, shutting out 14 countries to relevant financial education that they should be having um, at such a time. So that's why I felt the first thing we need to address is the education system. If we can be able to get the relevant education to people, they will be able to understand why Bitcoin and not fiat, and it will be easier to explain to them the options that they have. Um, another thing we do have um, in terms of 
Africa and education is uh, really the challenge of being able to. Um, sorry, sorry about that. Um, if I can say, the system is set up in such a manner that government involvement in ensuring that people get the relevant knowledge is also not there for reasons also that are quite understandable if people are enlightened they are most likely to revolt against the system that has been put in place so there's either just restriction or if there's no restriction you can't understand the language and uh, that's why Exelenia is there for that and we commend you uh, because it does start at education. You mentioned yeah. that people just don't have access to the information because of the language barrier. We credit the internet with so much access to, inf to information and free information, but you basically have to be an English speaker to exactly. be able to capitalize on that information. So we we really commend you. Thank you for translating layered money into Swahili. Layered Thank money you. through the Exonomia project is also available online for free in Zulu, in Shona, as well as in Arabic. So four languages uh, uh, in addition to the Swahili version that you put on there. So four languages that are available um, Dozens of millions of speakers in Africa now yeah. have access to this information, and it's not just layered money. It's other works of Austrian economics and Bitcoin that give people the power to understand really two separate things. One mm -hmm. is that money itself is not a derivative of government. It's a derivative of the market, and the market can, can attain its own form of money that doesn't necessarily have to come from a government. That's a school of thought that's not present. It's not just in Africa, it's in the United States and the West as mm -hmm. well, where they don't mm -hmm. teach this school of thought in which money comes from the market and a, and a market derived form of money, as well as Bitcoin. Bitcoin is its own topic. We know that there are computer science elements to Bitcoin that must be understood to fully grasp what it is, mining specifically, and how that works. Without the understanding of mining, you won't be able to fully embrace Bitcoin and why it's different than government money. So exactly. thank you for all your work on the translation front. Now I want to talk about Bitcoin adoption in Africa. We'll, we'll take a little tour around the continent, but let's start in your home country of Kenya. What is going on on the ground with Bitcoin adoption in Kenya? Okay, so uh, Bitcoin adoption in Kenya has been quite a journey that we are on. So um, the very first time that Bitcoin um, was really uh, was gaining awareness in Kenya, um, there were lots of cryptocurrency scams that came along with it. And we've had people being scammed up to the millions of dollars in Kenya. And uh, so there was lots of skepticism skepticism in it um, and like there were, there were those who understood the tech and stuck to it but the cryptocurrencies that came within it uh, it was a whole fiasco here and uh, we had people being promised gains of up to 14 percent in, in a day or or whatever and the scams really 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 ended up taking out taking lots of people's money 
and the government intervened for sure and uh, the central bank of kenya put out regulations saying barring people from trading in bitcoin lots of bitcoin companies were closed down we have a famous one um, that was uh, forgotten the name but lots of bitcoin companies were shut down as a result of that and uh, we have our mobile money uh, platform in pesa that also declined uh, to carry out Bitcoin related transaction or cryptocurrency related transaction with the said exchanges that were in Kenya back then. Um, so as per now, with the scams, there's lots of negativity in terms of the space, but we are coming to a point where um, people are becoming more aware, if I can say, and this is for me, I can speak personally because I, I arrange with a lot of people and you had people where you told people about Bitcoin, Back then, they forgot, and they're coming back right now because uh, the situation with the Kenyan currency, it's really devaluing, and um, it's it's not it's not well in terms of our currency. And uh, with this, we have lots of interest to try and uh, invest in assets that will give you long term long term gain. So for now, I can say the awareness is increasing. But we need to differentiate between cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. That is where the challenge is because other cryptocurrencies are also coming into the market. There's lots of uh, cryptocurrencies besides this Bitcoin. You're allowed to say shit coins on this show. We, yeah. uh, yes. we, we absolutely don't mind it. It's, it's definitely, shit coins. Yes, it's definitely allowed. Yes. And this is why uh, our company is named the Bitcoin layer. It's not the crypto layer. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. not the cryptocurrency layer. It is Bitcoin and Bitcoin, it lasts. And that's the most important thing. It lasts because it doesn't have a center and the rest of these cryptocurrencies do. And that's why Bitcoin survives and it survives through cycles. So the people that you tried to orange pill four years ago will come back and say, can yes. you remind me what you were teaching me again? So thank you for orange, exactly. uh, orange pilling people yeah. in Kenya. Mm -hmm. What yeah. else is going on in Africa? Talk about Nigeria. The currency there is also experiencing, uh, well, there are two exchange rates, right? There's an above uh, a government uh, embraced exchange rate and then the market exchange rate. And, and Bitcoin is involved in the arbitrage there of those two rates, as well as being used on the ground. So tell us what's going on with Bitcoin adoption in Nigeria. Okay, so uh, the Nigeria situation is quite different. Uh, in terms of adoption, I can say Nigeria is uh, way above Kenya in terms of adoption of, of Bitcoin, but this is also for obvious reason. Nigerians are trying to get into it as a store of value. The Naira is really devaluing and uh, so the government can see this, it's always happening and they they intervened. How did they intervene? First of all, they, they, they decided that they were going to limit withdrawals, cash withdrawals of individuals up to $225 in a week. And for businesses, it was around um, 1,200 $1, in a week dollars access. And um, this was just to curb it and uh, in, in preparation to introduce CBDCs, because they're now testing out the e-Naira, whereby, and of course there's a backlash in Nigeria, and uh, 
and I know a couple of Nigerian Bitcoiners and we, they're, they're willing to, to fight this out and we're hoping they succeed this time with Nigeria and that because if we know if it happens to succeed in Nigeria, Kenya is definitely next and there is no way we are capable of accepting CBDCs here. And um, with Nigeria, um, of course, people are getting impoverished with the devaluation of currencies. That's a very common occurrence in, in Kenya. Um, same thing with Ghana. Uh, Ghana situation, even, even terrible. IMF, uh, of course, has intervened as usual, and uh, it's, it's advising them for, uh, to carry out structural adjustment programs. And of, also the Ghanaian cities is still devaluing. Ghanaians are getting impoverished, but they're pushing in for more, for more, for more adjustment programs which have proven throughout time to have not been beneficial to, to Ghana. I think this will be like the 17th fund they're receiving 17. as a country. 17th. And uh, it, it's crazy that we're still implementing things that have not worked for Africa. And we, we're, we're telling African leaders that this is the way to do it. And uh, it, it's quite a sad situation to see. Same thing with Ethiopia. Ethiopia just recently, they were advised to devalue their currency by 50%, the Ethiopian beard. The government is dismissing it as a rumor. I'm not sure, but you know, wherever there's a rumor, something has to be stirring up. Uh, there's a war in northern Ethiopia like with the Tigris, but um, also with, with that, we still have the IMF intervening for the structural adjustment programs. And uh, that's the situation in Africa. Terrible, but it's what we, we, have, we have to deal with for now. So you mentioned the e-Naira as something that the Central Bank of Nigeria is planning on releasing and also the energy from Bitcoin people in, in Nigeria that are saying this is a problem and we should have Bitcoin as an alternate uh, system. Now, I, I personally believe the most likely outcome is for the government to go ahead with their plans, but that the reaction of the people is to potentially even accelerate Bitcoin adoption in the face of eNaira, unless the government tries to ban it um, in some way. So how would you, how do you think it's going to play out there with people? Let's just assume the government will get uh, their eNaira and they will be able to introduce a CBDC. Will it accelerate the use case for Bitcoin and the adoption of Bitcoin because of the understanding of what the government is trying to do in counter? Okay, maybe, maybe if I could speak. Um, let's look at Africa. Africa has a, a population of um, 1.4 billion people, um, 55 countries. Uh, we should be having a GDP of around 3.4 trillion. Um, I was listening to Jeff Booth um, in one of, one of his uh, <laughs> podcasts, and he was talking about inertia. Africa is known for its natural resources. We are quite, we have valuable resources, which I still do not understand why we exchange for fiat. <laughs> I think we might get back to that another day. Um, so we expect that the inertia 
as, as Jeff put it, that will come from us trying to oppose the system. It, it's, it's going to have an impact. And I'm sure the government of Nigeria will be fighting. We'll be fighting for the adoption of the CBDC. And even if it has to come to people being limited to what they buy or, or being um, basically lack of privacy, you will have to be you have to look at your purchases. Come on, if they can already tell you how much you need to withdraw for a week, what's coming next? And um, I believe there's a strong team of Nigerians. They know a couple, like uh, DGUs, Henry, who are carrying out Bitcoin education in Nigeria and trying to get the youth at least to understand what is coming so that they can prepare for it. And if they can be able to opt out, the better. And the sooner we get lots of people get adopting bitcoin good for all of us and but i do expect a lot of pressure from the government i do not think it will come easy uh, we have a long way to go it's a uh, i keep on talking to a friend of mine it's a fight it keeps on reminding me you ready to fight another day for bitcoin in africa because the situation is bad the leaders are not willing to compromise because whoever controls the money controls the power and um so it's a, we, are, we are gauging our livelihoods, our future, and the current system being put in place that are being, being kept. So that's where we're at. And, mm-hmm. and there are 55 countries in Africa, and I've come to understand that Nigeria is somewhat of a cultural leader and the forefront of things that happen in Africa. So can you educate us about that dynamic is that true is that accurate and how does that how does that play <laughs> yes, out in uh, africa well okay um i, I should say kenya <laughs> but yeah uh, nigerians nigerians are in terms of culturally i think nigerians are very vocal um they're, they're very vocal and they they're really out there and they're very very entrepreneurial people. I don't think you can be able to visit any country and not find a Nigeria. I I love my Nigerians. <laughs> they are wonderful people to be around. They are also very good in terms of ideas. So, and also in terms of shaping the decisions, in terms of uh, music and, and culture, Nigerians are quite known in Africa. So when it comes to CBDC implementation, we are most likely also to copy ideas like that. And uh, for Kenya, what I can say, I'm not, I do not think we're even uh, way far from CBDC because unlike all the other government, all the other um, financial uh, areas in the world, we happen to have the mobile money payment system in PESA. Um, I don't know whether you're conversant with it, maybe for your listeners. And PESA is a money transfer um, platform that uh, uses mobile phone, USSD mostly, but you can be able to transfer money. And it's very common in Kenya. And uh, as per now, we are having scenarios in which the government now wants to start taxing the money transfer. So basically like taxing money that you transfer around. And so we're, we already skipped that step in which we don't we rarely use credit cards to transact. And uh, so all, most of our payments are through mobile money and the government tried to tax that. And uh, these are people who are either, you receive money as a remittance, if not carried out any transaction or business, bought a good or service and it's, it's getting taxed. So we are having cases like that 
like uh, the Nigerian government started talks with the CBDC and uh, also for us, the central bank decided that they were going to introduce conversations for the same. So a team has been put together to discuss the introduction of uh, CBDC and how it can be able to apply. Um, not much pushback so much, but uh, we, we are working on it. What about South Africa? What's going on there with Bitcoin adoption? Um, I think for South Africa, South Africa is a very vibrant community in terms of Bitcoin adoption. Um, we have already communities like Bitcoin and Kasi. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's uh, already creating a circular economy um, in terms of Bitcoin. And I think for South Africa, they adopted Bitcoin way earlier than most of, uh, most of the African countries. The, way advanced in even terms of how they organize their communities and uh, how, uh, for example, companies like uh, Machankura, uh, the, the developer, Gatsu, whom I work closely with, a very good friend of mine, is from South Africa. And uh, we have South Africans who are really, really, yeah, pushing for, for, for Bitcoin adoption locally as compared to other African countries. But um, I think right now we've come to a point where we've decided to work with Africa as a whole. And I, we, we have the dream of having a borderless Africa. And I think it's the first step. If we can demystify Bitcoin in all African countries, all at once, educate all people at the same time, that's a very huge step. So, yes. And it's a worthwhile pursuit. And it... It is a worthwhile pursuit. It's uh, probably a lifelong pursuit. It is a lifelong pursuit. You mentioned IMF structural adjustments, the 17th one that's happened in Ghana. Uh, it's happening in Ethiopia. They are correlated with currency devaluation. The currency devaluation is correlated with impoverishment, which is something that you've highlighted. So that's why it is a worthwhile pursuit here. It's something that is trying to fundamentally affect lives. Uh, you also talk about the inertia of the African population and specifically the African youth, right? So the demographics of Africa are the best in the world in terms of the youth and the, the population there. So what it, what is the step toward a borderless Bitcoin Africa outside of, let's just say, the education, which is at the, the fundamental, you have to have resources, let people teach. But then how do you actually go across the border and across languages uh, in Africa to, to try to pursue this vision? Okay, uh, now that you've mentioned, when you look at um, one of the main reasons that Africa is known for the world, well, in the world, it's, it's poverty levels. And um, I feel at a point where I, I, I think when Satoshi was, <laughs> was creating Bitcoin, he must have had Africa in mind because Africa, in terms of cross-border remittance, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. So, uh, for example, I can tell you, um, Intra-Africa trade should be at around 14% of Afri all of Africa's exports. Meaning, we export most of what we produce outside Africa. So, it's not easy for me to trade with a Nigerian, an Egyptian. It's easier for me to trade with someone from, from Europe. And that's, that's a concern because of uh, settlement. of. So, you have countries in Africa 
trading, but the settlements are done in, in banks in Europe or wherever, and then sent to the, to, to the other African country, and we shouldn't be having that. So remittance in Kenya is, a, in, sorry, not just Kenya, but in Africa. It's a, it's a huge issue. And besides just the remittance being an, an issue, the transaction cost is also quite high because um, I, I really don't have to go into details in terms of the bank transaction fees. So we have uh, projects, for example, like Kamachankura, as, as I've mentioned, which finally enables me to transfer value in nine or in eight other different African countries um, using not just, I don't even have to have anything. So I even came with this to demonstrate. So this is a feature phone. So Bachankura enables transfer of Bitcoin using such a phone. So even a small a business in, in South in South Africa, in, um, in in Zambia, I can be able to transfer value to them and they have instant settlement. That's that's a borderless Africa. That's the borderless Africa we're talking about. And it's cheap, it's affordable. That is going to be a game changer for Africa. And I, I do not know whether the world is prepared for that, but it's coming. And finally, we keep on talking about Africa's problems and now we have a solution to Africans' problems. Cross-border remittance. We have Bitnob. Uh, Bitnob just partnered with uh, Strike recently, and now with that, we can be able to transfer value to Europe and the US from Kenya <laughs> using Bitnob, and that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and we don't have to struggle with PayPal. Uh, we have a very huge online community. Uh, Kenyan, I can speak on behalf of Kenya. Uh, the youth are very um, tech savvy, and we do most online work, and most of them get paid using um, using PayPal and PayPal has been hectic <laughs> not just I, I don't know whether it has been hectic in other places but in Africa it has been hectic and uh, now they have the option to receive payments in Bitcoin these are livelihoods that are going to be changed and you don't have to depend on, on the government for, for jobs they don't have to cry out we need jobs from the government you can as long as you have a computer and good internet connection, you can now earn a living for yourself, and that is going to change Africa. It almost quite a lot. it almost seems like Bitcoin is becoming the first layer of money in Africa, and that that yes. is the the it direction um, because you are addressing both currency devaluation and cross border remittances at the same time. And you're, you're skipping over two of the main things that are leading to the impoverishment of the African people. So talk to me about, we, we, there's so much optimism in this, in this conversation that we're having. It's really thrilling to hear what is the potential for Bitcoin on the ground in Africa. But now play devil's advocate with me. Talk about some of the corrupt regimes and potentially even talk about militias and other violence that could get in the way or is getting in the way of certain adoption. How does Bitcoin engage with, or even how does Bitcoin adoption engage with corrupt dictators and militias on the continent? Okay. Oh, wow. You want us to, to go there? Yes. When I, when I think of corrupt dictators in Africa, <laughs> especially economically, 
my first thought mabutu sesesego um this uh so we have I, i'll i'll start with mostly foreign aid foreign aid is something that has been advocated so much for Af- in africa um through ngos and organizations that come to assist but how is this foreign aid dispersed into the continent so um you are there nick and you know you are sending money through a government organization and you are sure that it has actually reached the people but most of this foreign aid i should tell you it's not it's not a secret it mostly goes to ever government officials who are corrupt and they enrich themselves this is something that is widespread i think so it's, when we talk about africa being a country it's across the board this is something that really happens and so you find funds are sent only people at the top get to experience the benefits of this the same thing when uh, with money printing money is printed people at the top get the first share and uh, besides people at the bottom not getting the share of the value their currency is the currency is devalued and they even end up being in a worse situation than they were with this of course where they where people cannot eat where people cannot be able to to earn a living where people cannot be able to feed their families violence is likely to erupt and uh, that's why we have so much um in the the social econ- economic impact of the money that people use it's it's, it's something that's so huge i think we'll get into another rabbit hole if we go there but in africa it's very real and the consequences are immediate so um you you mentioned also uh, other corrupt corrupt regimes so imf and world bank as uh, they they claim that they want to assist us and they give us the loans so we we get the loans uh, they come and most of the loans go possibly towards um infrastructural development and uh, with this they come with the conditions so what are the conditions first of all uh, you have to devalue your currency you have to put the, restrict the wages so lower the wages of the people what's the other thing um we want to control certain sectors so you find that this money is taken to sectors that are only going to be beneficial to mostly multinational multinational corporations in the country so we receive a loan and uh they tell us we are going to use the loan to build this infrastructure but they do not they fail to mention that this part of the money of of this infrastructure belongs to a multinational corporation so and so, sorry the infrastructure belongs to the to a multinational corporation and the people who actually need that money healthcare education very few very very a bit of the money is allocated to this which are very essential for, for people and um another thing another problem we've actually been having with that and it's it's being addressed but um i i, I don't know i don't know nick <laughs> i feel quite emotional talking about this but yeah um that, that's where that's where we're at it's i am a friend of bank yeah mm-hmm. it's very important that the we have to understand that the source of the impoverishment and the source of the violence itself is due to the foreign aid that comes into the country stolen by 
officials and dictators, IMF and World Bank bailouts that come in with the restrictions that lower wages and also devalue the currency. And so the money is at the core of the problem and a currency that, or let's just call it an asset, a money that is allowed to circulate throughout the economy in Africa without a financial institution. That is the first sentence of the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper. Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer currency that allows transactions without the use of a financial institution at the center. That can be at the core of addressing some of these problems. Exactly. And now we will have, if you are supposed to send aid and uh, you know it's coming to me, it will come directly to me. And uh, once again, foreign aid in, 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 in Africa, game changer. So at least right now we will be sure we are allocating resources to the people directly and not through um, advanced proxies that uh, end up embezzling the funds. So um, it's, it's a thing we have here. And also, it, besides IMF um, and World Bank giving us the loans, they also come with, with, the, with, the, with the conditions. Allocate to this sector, do not allocate to this sector. So we end up, for example, in Kenya, we had a period of structural adjustment during the 1980s to the 1990s, up to the late 1990s. And we ended up losing so many, so many um, cash crop companies, uh, cotton industry destroyed, cash industry destroyed, and people lose jobs. People lose jobs. In fact, I just just late last year, I was I was talking to 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 a few a few a few people. I told you about the coast of Kenya. It's not really. Um, um, in terms of in terms of the poverty levels, it's quite high, and uh, you talk to them, and they tell you how they were laid off from companies in the nineties, and they're still chasing after compensation in the 2022, 2023. It's uh, and these are from decisions that were made by people who probably have never even set foot in the continent, and uh, yeah, that's that's what we have to deal with. Nolene, thank you so much for sharing your on-the-ground insights about Bitcoin adoption in Africa. We really appreciate your time today. Give, please give our audience where they can find you online and where they should go to follow your work or the projects that you want to point people toward. Okay. Oh, wow. It's already done, Nick. <laughs> I, was, I was just getting started. Oh, I would like to also maybe mention one more project. Please, too, please go for um, it. A company called, yes, a company called Readless. Um, this is a company which enables also another game changer. Electricity in Africa is a problem. <laughs> and uh, Bitcoin mining through Gridless, they tap into the excess hydropower in Kenya, so they assist developers of mini mini grids. And with this, they can they 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 are able to provide cheaper electricity to the communities around. And uh, I can go into lots of details <laughs> into how much it's just uh, it's a lot, but. I, yeah, I, I hope and let the... me just say really quickly, we just had a conversation about the hydroelectric 
uh, these mini grids starting in Virunga National Park in DRC. Oh yes, the one in yes. Congo. So um, it's some. So you're saying that that type of uh, thing is happening as well in Kenya. What other countries? Where yes. where else is that that type of situation with Bitcoin um, mining and hydroelectric power? In terms of hydroelectric power, there's around 200 megawatts of untapped hydroelectric power in in Africa. So. Um, with 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 Gridless, they're working with a, with a with a team called Gamma, and they were countries like Ethiopia, Rwanda, lots of hydropower, and there's a lot to be done. And uh, in fact, I can say we are few. <laughs> there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of opportunities, and uh, I wish more people can be able to join us in the continent to enable hyper Bitcoinization. Yes. Uh, well, uh, Nolene, so what we're going to do is we are going to follow these projects that you've brought to our attention today. We're going to pay more attention to Bitcoin adoption in Africa on the ground. And it's a special it's a special place for Bitcoin because of the issues of money that we've described so far in this show. In the West, when we yeah. think about Bitcoin adoption, I remember a conversation with a colleague that I had several years ago, I I went through a whole explanation of why I think Bitcoin is important and why it's maybe a, a great investment. And the person said to me, I don't have to worry about Bitcoin. I trust Bank of America. That is not... Tell them to check their privilege. That's right. Check their financial privilege. Exactly. And... Um, we have to we have to remind ourselves of that all the time, and so we really want to follow the projects that you're working on in Africa. We'll definitely continue to do that. Please tell people where they can find you online and where to follow some of the projects that you want to point point people to. Okay, so um, online you can find me mostly on Twitter at Noeling Sumba. And uh, as I told you, the projects I work with, you can also follow Machankura, uh, enables transfer of uh, Bitcoin using USSD. Um, so Bitcoin transfer without internet connection. Exonimia carries out translation. We also have lots of education projects going around in Africa. There's Bitcoin Cowries in Ghana. There's uh, um, in Kenya, we have Bitcoin Tani, which goes all the way to the rural areas and the youth in the informal sector. And we have Bitcoin Dada providing a safe space for females to learn about Bitcoin. And uh, also, Sakina Economies, same uh, Bitcoin Ekasi in South Africa. And uh, we also have people who are helping us in this journey. I don't know that you know of Paco, <laughs> who's been showing us Bitcoin adoption around Africa, traveling in Bitcoin. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> I wish we had more time to converse, Nick. But yeah, thank we'll you. We'll definitely have. have you back and we'll do it again. We'll make sure to, and we'll also cover what you're doing in our. Substack publication, people can go to subscribe at thebitcoinlayer.com slash subscribe. And through that, we'll be able to cover in the written format as well what's going on in Africa. Nolene, thank you so much for joining us today at the Bitcoin Layer. We really appreciate your time. The Bitcoin Layer is sponsored by Voltage, provider of industry-grade Bitcoin and Lightning Network infrastructure. Nolene, thank you so much. Thank you, Nick.